You're listening to the Elim Church Northampton podcast. This message was recorded live as part of our regular Sunday service. We know that this is a great investment into your life. So tune in and give it a listen. For more information, visit elimnorthampton.com. Praise the Lord. Thank you, guys. We appreciate you. Please be seated. Well, it's my privilege to introduce our guest speaker today. And uh, you, I, anyone that's any good in the ministry will never want to promote themselves. So I, I'm going to take the liberty to do that today for our guest speaker, because I know that he wouldn't do it for himself. But uh, if you don't know, already know who John Glass is, John Glass um, has been our longest standing general superintendent in our Elam movement over 16 years serving in that post. He's now retired from Elam, but still ministers every week. So John has been in the ministry 51 years, uh, 25 years as a local pastor, 25 as a local pastor, and 25, 16 of those as general superintendent, and the rest as a regional superintendent. John has planted several churches, been a massive influence to many denominations and nations, and still now uh, is, is still booked up to, to minister. He went to Bible college when he was 10. That's why he looks so young. Um, but honestly, it's a great privilege to have John as a great friend of, uh, with Marilyn, his wife, as a great friend of ours over the years, has inputted into our lives, and it strengthened us, prophesied over us, encouraged us, and just cheered us on. And it's a privilege for John to start a new campaign on the brink of a new building for us, because John has traveled with us uh, all the years in our ministry. Um, also, John has wrote loads of books, leadership books, and he just brought one today, which is uh, something that I would love for you to have in your hands. So at the end of the service, John will be in the cafe area. I'd love to sign it for you. And this is a must-get book. It's a novel, and many people that's read it said they cannot put it down. So what I'd love you to do now uh, is if you give John a real big uh, Northampton welcome as he comes to minister. Thanks, Jason. Absolutely fabulous to be with you, Jason and Linda, as you probably picked up from there, have been friends of ours for years and years and years. We love them to bits. Unfortunately, my wife can't be here today. She would love to have been with Linda. They launched together the uh, Aspire Women's Movement. Uh, and, uh, well, you know, they're like that, uh, those two ladies. So are you well this morning? And what a privilege for me to be able to start on this great new theme better together. In fact, let's say it together, we're better together. Because I'm telling you, that's absolutely right. And the three words that I want us to concentrate on, because you're going to be having a series, and the people that are going to be sharing, obviously Jason and Linda, perhaps others are going to be sharing on the, uh, the bigger picture, but um, I'm just, you know, giving an overview to begin. I'm really thrilled that you've asked me Jason, to do this because it's a subject that's so very, very important. Three words that are important that we're going to look at this morning are connectivity, alignment, and unity. Because when we talk about better together, that's what we are dealing with. So let's start with the first one, which is connectivity. A friend of mine, well, he's not actually a friend, he's more or less an acquaintance, had a big church in South America, and he was brought up in the kind of slums of Argentina. And I remember years ago telling me the story, he wasn't dealing with the subject we're going to be talking about, but he was telling me a story about if he wanted where he lives in the slums of the city where he was to do some building work, say for example he was building a wall around his garden, 
he would get the building supplier to bring the brick, bricks, dump them on his ground, uh, ready for building on the next day. When he did that, though, he never slept a wink that night. In fact, sometimes he would actually think about whether he would actually sleep by the bricks, because if he didn't, in the middle of the night, there'd be people with barrows and uh, trucks, and all his bricks would have gone. However, the day after, when he'd built the wall, he had a perfect night's sleep. Why? Because you can steal bricks, but you can't pinch a wall. Uh, because what happened was that which was isolated units of bricks were vulnerable because they were isolated. But when you get to the situation they're built together, then there's a solidity, there's a connectivity, there is a unity that comes together. And you know what the devil tries to do when God's wanting to build something into our life, because I'm telling you, God really is all the time seeking to build new, fresh stuff into our lives. One of the things that excites me so much when I uh, you know, listen to the story of what's happening here, and you have obviously all know the story far better than I do of what's going on, but to just think of the growth. Everywhere Jason and Linda have ever been, there's been growth and there's been blessing. And I've seen that over the years, as, as I say, as, as friends. And to listen to the story, there are challenges. But you know, what I'm telling you, there is no step worth taking that doesn't demand faith. Because if we didn't need faith, we wouldn't need God. That's why God has to stretch us. And in the same way as God wants to grow church, which is always more than numbers, it's about people and relationships, it's essential that we see ourselves as better together. Because God then means we're not going to be picked off. We're not going to be picked off. So that's the first word I wanted to look at there, which is connectivity. But then connectivity is no good without alignment. Alignment is essential to what God wants to do in your life as an individual. There's a sense in which I'm talking to you as a fellowship, as a church, but I'm really talking to everyone as, in, as an individual as if there was no one else in the building. You see, what I want to do, what I don't want to do, let me say, is travel up here and, you know, preach a sermon. I've never shared this sermon before, this message. I don't really call them a sermon uh, before. But I want to tell you, I don't want to take stuff from my head to your head. You know the Bible. You probably know the Bible as well as I do, many of you. I don't want to communicate from my head to your head. What I do want to do is communicate from my heart to your heart and from my spirit into your spirit. And one of the biggest things about growth personally is alignment. Now, to explain what I mean by that, let me take you back to when I was first married. Marilyn and I have been married 51 years. And... Um, <laughs> Yeah, thank God for that, you know. I mean, some people have a, quite a jaundiced view of marriage, don't they? Yeah, it's terrible. One man was saying he's, he's got a bad marriage. He said, he said I think of a marriage, he said, it's like a pack of cards. I said, oh, I said, what does that mean? He said, well, you start off with a diamond and a heart. He said, but after a while, you're looking for a club and a spade. And I think that's terrible. <laughs> so that's, that was their view. Yeah, it's been, you know, 51 years together. When we first married, I had no idea about do it yourself. Nothing at all. And uh, I went to preach one weekend. I'm in my 20s now. I was a pastor when I was 21. And I went when I was about 24. Uh, just after I got married, I went to preach for a friend of mine who I was in college with a few years earlier. And uh, this guy, before he was a pastor, had been a joiner, a carpenter. 
And I was staying at their house over the weekend. I was at the church, and I was blown away when he showed me the new kitchen he'd put in for his wife. I thought, that is absolutely amazing, Cameron. His name was Cameron Crawford. I said, Cameron, that's amazing. I haven't got a clue. I don't know if I could put a screw into a wall properly. And you've done this. It's phenomenal. Listen, I, you know I'm newly married, and he was about my age. I said, tell me. Where would I start? He said, John, what do you want to start with? The Reader's Digest of Do-It-Yourself. I don't know if ever you're old enough here to remember the Reader's Digest of Do-It-Yourself, but it was a manual about that deep. It cost a fortune. I mean, it kept out half a week's salary for me in those days. But I thought, I've got to get into this because I can't, you know, I'm a young pastor. I can't afford to bring builders in and decorators in. I've got to do it myself. So I bought this book and I got through it. And I said to Marilyn, my wife, I said, Marilyn, I've got to tell you something. I'm ready. She says, what do you mean you're ready? I says, I'm ready to build. She says, what are you going to build, John? I, I'm going to build. You know that spare bedroom? It's a very tiny house. It's a modern house, but it was almost a new build, but it wasn't quite. It was modern, but it was tiny. It was really a starter home, believe me, tiny. Two bedrooms, one which we had and one which was a spare room. I said, I'm going to build fitted wardrobes in the spare room. She says, John... I love you to bits, but why don't you start with a spice rack? <laughs> start with a spice rack and build up. And I'm Marilyn, I'm a pastor. Where's your faith? Fitted wardrobe, fitted wardrobe. She says, John. I said, Marilyn, it's fitted wardrobe. Don't tell me about spice racks. So I get all the wood, get all the stuff, buy all the tools. I had no tools at all. I might have had a screwdriver somewhere, but I bought all the tools, all done. I start working in the spare bedroom, get the frame in, absolutely. Now, in the 70s, the big thing to have were glass sliding doors, like mirror doors, you know what I mean? That was the big deal, and I ordered two of these to be delivered, and they were brought up. Guys took them upstairs, laid them by the wall, by this edifice that I had built, and finished it. I thought, now is the moment, this is it. Marilyn will never talk to me about spice racks again when she sees this. This is the eighth wonder of the world I've just done. The sliding doors didn't only not slide, they didn't even grate. There was no way when I put it in the runners they would move at all. It was completely stuck. So I'm like, oh, goodness me, what have I done wrong? I've gone by this Reader's Digest book of Do It Yourself. I've gone through all the things, bought the right tools, brought all of this. Glass sliding doors, what am I going to do? I thought, well, I can't do it. I'd just have to, what's gone wrong? And do you know what had gone wrong? I had bought all the expensive tools, but I had forgotten one of the most important, which was a plumb line. Because I'd made the mistake, and some of you guys out there who are massively into do-it-yourself, you know, you're smiling, what an idiot, why didn't you get it? I'd assumed because the walls were modern that they would be true. Big mistake. I needed the plumb line. Because with the plumb line, I could be absolutely confident in alignment. Alignment. And the Bible talks about ways in which we can... The Bible talks about ways in which we can align ourselves. Now, in, in Ephesians, we're going to be going, for those of you who got phones and iPads or printed Bibles, whatever, if you want to go and follow me in Ephesians, we're going to be in Ephesians 2 and Ephesians 4. These are the places where we're going to be. Now, many of you, I know, you've been Christians a very long time, and uh, you know the Bible well, as I've said. Some of you may be just new to church, or you may only recently become a Christian. So when you hear the pastor say Ephesians, 
Um, you think, what's that? It's a strange thing. Well, Ephesians were people who lived in Ephesus. It was a town. And uh, if today Paul was writing to you, he'd say, we'd be saying today, turn to North, uh, Northampton, Northamptonians. Is that what you, is that what a person from Northampton is? A Northamptonian, chapter 2. Turn to that page. And because it was a letter, and in a way, that's what the Bible is. It's a letter that is not just for the recipients, it's for everybody who's going to read that in the future for 2,000 years because the Word of God is ageless. Someone say amen. It's there for every age and every time. And it talks amazingly about alignment. And this is what it says. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with, someone say with, with God's people, and are members, look at that word, of God's household, built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Now, before we go any further, we've got a foundation there. Now, I'd put in a kind of foundation, but was non-aligned. I didn't just have a pile of wood. I had connected it, but what I hadn't done is aligned it. So God, when we're better together, wants us to be connected, but he wants us to be aligned. And he says, what you were before you were connected, because the greatest connection in the world is not between you and me, or you and the pastor, or you and one another. The greatest connection is between us and God. Amen. Because we were separated. When Adam sinned, he was separate from God. God said to Adam, Adam, you know, the Bible says God used to walk with Adam in the cool of the day in the Garden of Eden, and one day Adam's missing, and God calls out, Adam, where are you? Adam, where are you? Now, that's a strange thing because God's supposed to be all omniscient. He's all-knowing. He knows everything. So why would he ask a question, where are you? Listen, he didn't know, need to know where Adam was. He need, needed Adam to say, I am no longer connected with you because I have sinned. Something has broken down between us. And when God asks us a question, he doesn't do it for his benefit. He does it for our benefit because we know then where we are. And he was separate. So the greatest, if you're in today and you haven't committed your life to Jesus, connected with God, I want to say God loves you. It's the greatest decision you could make in your life. Believe me, the decisions we make down here, where we live, what we do for a job, who we marry, all of those things are important, but they only last a lifetime. Sometimes they don't even last a lifetime. But when you decide to connect with God or reconnect with God, it's something that has effect, not just on this time, but on eternity too. It's a really, really important thing. And he says, what happens? You were, as far as God was concerned, and one another, you were like individual piles of bricks. You were foreigners, you were strangers, you had no relationship with one another. But he said, that's not happened anymore. We've brought you into a family. You're connected because you're better together. I brought you into a body. It's not an arm there and a leg there and a head there. Now you're connected as a body and as a building. You're on a foundation. It says this, built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, and this is the big thing, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone in whom all the building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him too, you are being built together. Someone say better together. Better together. You're being built together, built together, joined together to rise to become a holy temple to the Lord. And in in him, you are a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. So 
Connectivity is important. I mean, people can be in bowling clubs, they can be in cinema clubs, they can be in book clubs, and they're connected, but it's got nothing to do with their spiritual life. Nothing wrong in being in those things, but they're just connected with people. But Bible says, not only does he want us to be connected, he wants us to be aligned together with Christ as the chief cornerstone. So the picture now is an ordinary barren piece of land, and someone's going to build something there, you don't just build a wall and stack one lot of bricks on another. They find a cornerstone, and it would literally be a, it'd be a, a kind of like a big cube, and all sides would be totally true. There would be absolutely not one millimeter of variation. Absolutely true. When you've got a cornerstone, say in this area here, and all sides are true, then everything you build towards it is going to be true. And so the Bible says when we want to talk about growing for eternity, growing as a family of God, growing as a church, because it's not, I mean, thank God for all the plans. It's amazing God's in it. And please throw your heart and soul and all your resources into it. It's absolutely right for now, and it's good. But the biggest growth that you'll experience in your life, if you're really going to grow, is an internal growth. And we're going to come to that in a moment too. We're going to come to that in a minute. So he said, right, the first stone is the cornerstone, Christ. If you build against anything other than Christ, then the house is not going to stand. But then it's not you being built straight to the cornerstone. There's another part of the foundation. And the Bible calls that the apostles and the prophets. Now, I'm going to come to those in a little uh, a little later because in Ephesians 4, it talks about the fivefold ministry, you know, apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, pastor teachers, and so forth. Uh, we're going to come to that in a minute. So the next thing that's built into Christ is the leadership. You know, I know I'm biased. I know I'm biased. I hold my hand up. But you've got incredible leadership in this house, and Jason and Linda. I expected more amens than that. And the reason why you can trust them because I've seen them over years and years and years. I've seen that Jason and when we had a meal together somewhere, we spent time together. What you see is what you get. You don't get a platform, Jason and Linda, and a, a different Jason and Linda elsewhere. And the reason why you can trust your leadership here is because you can build according to the leadership they're giving you. Why? Not because they're great people, which they are, Excuse me, you can do it because they have built their lives against Christ. So they have aligned themselves to Christ, and then that means you can be comfortable. You can be comfortable. Of course, you've got a personal relationship with Jesus as well. Of course, you don't have to go through a pastor or a priest or a, a vicar to get to God. You've got your own relationship with him. But when it comes to building for the future, and we want direction of alignment in our life, Christ is the cornerstone, and then the Bible says, the apostles of truth. Let me read it again. Fellow citizens with God's people, members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. That is the spiritual leaders that you were there. That's why Paul, when he writes to the church in Corinth, he say, be followers of me. That's quite a dangerous thing to say, because there are cult leaders who have said, you know, be followers of me, do exactly what I say. I tell you to do it, I'm God's man or God's woman, and you do it because I say you should. Very, very dangerous. And there was a movement way back in the 70s, 80s, 
uh, what was called heavy shepherding later, where people couldn't even get married without asking um, the pastor's permission, or they couldn't move house or change jobs, and it became absolutely uh, a very controlling, almost an abusive situation. But that's not what the Bible's talking about. When Paul writes to the church in Corinth, and it's in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 1, he says, follow my example because I'm following the example of Christ. That's the security. You know, much as I love these people, if they ask you to do anything, which they'd never do, but if they ask you to do anything that wasn't in the Bible, you don't reject the Bible, you reject the leader. You align, and the biggest amen there came from Jason. Because we can trust our leaders because they are aligned. We're better together as we're not just a pile of bricks. We're not strangers and foreigners. We're not aliens feeling that we're in a foreign country and we're the only ones there. We don't know anybody. It's a different culture. No, God has brought us into a family. God has brought us into a body. God has brought us into an army as well. People who are connected together because we're stronger and better together. Not what's trendy, not what's cool, not what's popular. If you were to ask most people, in fact, if I was to do a survey today, which I'm not going to do, obviously, but if I was to do a survey and said, tell me your favorite psalm. Well, do you know what I am going to do? I'm going to just see what anybody would say if I did say, what's the most well-known favorite psalm? Shout it out. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. That is the most popular it's even the one that's most popular that it's even read at funerals, isn't it? Psalm 23. Why is it so popular? Because it talks about the connectivity, the alignment, and the relationship that God wants us to see in our life. God sees us as a shepherd. He's the chief cornerstone. We take our lead from him like sheep take their lead from the shepherd. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. When the Lord is our shepherd, what does it say? The Lord is my shepherd. I won't want anything else if I've got that. I don't need to align myself anywhere else if I've got that. He leads me beside still waters and green pastures. He restores my soul. And even when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, he's still there with me. He's my cornerstone. He's the part that I'm aligning myself. Because when it comes to me and Jesus, we're just better together. He's my shepherd. I was so blessed this morning. I don't say, I do say if I mean it, obviously, but I don't say everywhere I go, but I'm so blessed by the worship this morning. God bless you, those who are leading us. And that's, yeah, come on. You see, when you're in one church all the time, you, you, can, you can forget and how valuable your pastors are or you forget how valuable your people are. But when you're going from place to place like I do every week, then you see variations and differences. And, you know, it was just such a blessing. But that song they led us in, I'm going to smile in the middle of the storm. Wow. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, this is not even my subject, but I want to say this. If you're going through a tough time, God doesn't say you want to camp in the valley of the shadow of death. He says, I'm going to take you through it. Someone say through it. You're going to come out the other end. You know, in the, old, in, in the old King James Version of the Bible, it used to say, it came to pass this, it came to pass that. Whatever you're going through, friends, I want to tell you, the good news is, it's coming, but it's going to pass. He's going to lead you through it. He's going to lead you through the difficulty. The Lord is my shepherd. Now, what are the options? Because there are many people, obviously, in the world today who don't accept that they're aligning their life to Christ. They'll say, I am my shepherd. I'm the one who decides what happens. 
Well, do you know, if we're all honest about, you know, the Bible says we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That goes for me, that goes for you, it goes for everybody. There's nobody who's never sinned. So therefore, if you want to only align yourself to me, please don't do so because I am not a true, I'm not a perfect person. But if I am aligned to Christ, you're following me, we can trust it. We can say the Lord is my shepherd. The word for pastor, incidentally, means shepherd. So my option is if I don't say, if I cut the Lord out from the cornerstone, I'm then saying then I am my shepherd. Do you know some people today, you know what they're saying? They're saying social media is my shepherd. I want people to like me. I want to conform. And it's not only, you know, we, we sometimes talk about peer group pressure from teenagers or for children at school, you know. We don't want to be left out. We don't want to be different. And we say, oh, kids, you know, you know, they're controlled by the peers. I want to tell you, friends, everybody can be controlled by people even of the same age, even when you're as old as I am. Don't conform to social media. Don't conform. Can I say to young, I've got a word for someone who's going to university soon. Don't conform to the norms in university. Conform to Christ. Even when you're out of the geographical place of here, even when you're not connected, and please, I beg of you, when you move to another area, connect very quickly from it to a church. And the reason for that is, and if you're watching online, some people have to be online because they're not well or they're infirm or they're too old. But I want to say if you're online and you haven't connected back into church, we need one another. We need to connect with one another. And if you're going to university, connect. If it's out of this area, connect with the church quickly. Because week one, you feel bad you're not in church. Week two, you don't feel as bad. And week three, you don't feel bad at all. And you lose a desire for connectivity. Same with church. Get back into the place where you're, you're relating. So if I say I am my shepherd and I'm not connected to Christ as my cornerstone, then I'm in a problem because I'm not perfect. Social media, culture is not my shepherd. I don't want to do what everybody else in, is doing. The radical people today, the radical people are people who are so radical they're going to follow Christ rather than the crowd. You're really radical if you'll say, I'm going to make the Lord my shepherd rather than anything else. Because connectivity is not just about fellowship between you and me. It's about essentially connection with Christ, connection with the house and the leaders of the house, and then connected with one another. The problem with that, and I don't want to spend any longer of that because I want to come on to bring this to a close in just a wee while and say this. If I don't say Christ is my shepherd, I would then say I am my shepherd. Then I might say social media and culture is my shepherd. Then I might get into a place when I'm unhappy with that and I say everything is my shepherd. And then you get into clinical depression when you say nothing's worth following, nothing's my shepherd. That's why it's so important to get connected and stay connected into Christ. But now I want to come to the final point. Remember what point one was? Connectivity. Not a pile of bricks. You know, Northampton Elam Church is not a pile of bricks. You're not just a congregation looking at the back of someone's head. You're connected into the family and into the body. You're part of the whole. We would miss you if you were not here. Miss you if you were not here. But it's also about unity. Ephesians 4.11, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets. These are the people who are, you know, part of the foundation. Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, teachers, to equip his people for works of service. 
Now, I have, in, well, I've done lots of leadership stuff, as Jason said, over the years. And so often when people read, particularly leaders, Christian leaders, when they talk about the five, five-fold gifts, they're talking about status, almost always. In fact, when I was a young pastor a long time ago, I remember another young pastor and his wife came around to spend the, the evening with Marilyn and I, and we went off for a walk, and we were living in the countryside, and we went off for a nice walk and left the ladies to have a chat themselves. And he said to me, I'll never forget this, he said, John, what, have you decided, I've only been out of Bible college a matter of year, a couple of years, have you decided what you are now? Are you an apostle, a prophet, a pastor, a teacher? What are you? I haven't got a clue. I haven't got a clue. All I know, I've got to preach three times a week and it's hard. I haven't got a clue. And when he went on to talk, it was clear that he saw, well, I'm a pastor now, but one day I might be an apostle. Friends, if you hear people talk like that, you know, an apostle is not a status symbol. An apostle is a function. Pastor is a function. Prophet is a function. That's why we don't give labels to everybody that does everything. And what people miss is what comes next. Please hear this. Don't miss this. This is not about status. Here's here's the question. Why are there apostles, apostles and pastors, teachers and all this stuff? Why prophets? Why are they? Listen to what it says. People stop in the middle of the sentence. So that we may be connected together, built up. Built up until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Now, what I'm going to share with you now, I'm going to share in the final five, ten minutes. There's probably a study in this. Well, I'm sure, quite sure there's a study in this on its own, but it's not my business to go into that because I'm only introducing this subject for you. I just wish I was here to listen to the input you're going to get on the rest of this stuff. But I'm just going to read you. Do you mind if I almost read you the headlines of what I'm going to say rather than preach on it um, as we come to a close? See, this is what it says. The reason for having all these people and these positions, if you like, in the church is though that we can be brought into unity because that is the purpose of being better together. Connectivity is important, but we need alignment. Alignment's important, but we need to continue continue and maintain unity. Now, I'm just going to read you a passage out of Ephesians 4 again. Then I'm going to just mention the words that are there, and I'll probably just make a little mention of each one of them, and you'll see how important it is that we're better together. There will no longer, this is the purpose of the gifts in Ephesians 4, There will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves. See, if you're just a brick in the field, then you can be just kicked over by anybody. If you're a wall, the person who kicks that wall is going to have a bad toe. Isn't that right? You're no longer infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, look at this. Speaking the truth in love, we will grow. Someone say grow. God wants you to grow and you are growing, you want you to grow deeper and grow higher. We're going to be grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, that's like from the chief cornerstone, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows, builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Now, 
We're not going to take time to do that because it'll come out, I'm quite sure, in the teaching that Jason and Linda will bring. As I said, if I can watch online, I will, or if I can get the tapes, I'm looking forward to it. But these are the words that are there that you may have missed. Joining, holding, supporting, growing, building, loving, and working. Better together, join together. Holding, held together, supporting, supported together, growing, growing together, building, building together, loving and working. So joining is bringing together. That's the part of being better together. Two people are not close, become close. Holding is keeping together, keeping together. It's all right to bring something together, but the Bible says, no, I want you to be kept together. I don't want the brick to fall out of the wall. I want you to be kept together. Even when you're going through the storm and churches go through great times, they go through tough times too. The sign that you're growing is that you can be in a winter faithful in the house as much as in the summer and springtime. Amen. That's a sign that we're better together. I was... I was preaching in a church in Northern Ireland oh, many years ago now, and in the middle I was preaching on the glory of God, and God says, he doesn't do this often, but he did on this occasion, stop preaching and say to them, and this is the verse God told me to tell them from Proverbs 6, 16 to 19. He says, six things does the Lord hate, yea, seven are an abomination unto him, and the seventh is like unto this, he who sows discord among the brethren. Absolutely nothing whatsoever to do with the glory of God, what I was talking about. And I said to people, God just told me to stop and say that. As soon as I said it, people started to sob all over the place. Some people were quietly sobbing. Uh, other people were wailing almost. I looked round at the pastor. Those days the pastor sat on the platform. I looked round at the pastor. He was like, his chin was nearly on the ground. I didn't know what to do because I, I, it's nothing. God had just told me to say that, not preach on it, just say it. And as I finished my message a lot quicker, I was at about 15 minutes to go and I finished it in five because there's too much crying going on. And, and I'd, I'd finished and I sat back in the chair and the pastor said, who told you about this church? I said, I don't know, if, I've never been here before. I don't even know you. You invited me to preach here and I preached. What's going on? He said, well, today there's going to be a split in this church and half of them are going, not half of them, a big proportion of them are going to leave. And all the ones leaving are the ones crying. Because God's told them, and somebody had tried to build their own, uh, build their own um, kingdom within the life of the church and drawn them away from the leadership. In other words, separating from the alignment of leadership. And we're going to go and start another church, and this was all their last time. You would think that when God spoke in such a powerful way that not one single soul would leave. Wouldn't you think that? Everyone went the next week. Because the emotion of not being connected or being connected to that which was wrong was bigger than hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit. And that's scary. That is so scary. That's what I said. God said, tell them. See, if I was doing a hit list of sins, I certainly would not include causing trouble between friends. I would have, you know, we all would, I'm sure, have murder and, and uh, adultery and loads of things we've put before that. But God says, sorry, that's your list. This is my list. Because God knows something that the devil knows. That if God is going to do a great thing, he can only do it by connectivity, alignment, and unity. And if he can knock a couple of bricks out of the wall and stop them being aligned, then he's found an inroad into the life of the church. 
So you know that in Bible days, the cities had big walls around them. In Jericho, they were so deep and so, and so thick, you could have chariot races, archaeologists tell us. You could have chariot races around the top. But you, if you wanted to get in as an enemy into the city, you know the story of Jericho, how the walls fell down. But if you were an army wanting to get in, you don't need to knock every brick down in the, around the whole city. You just need to make a small incursion enough to get an army to get a foothold to, foothold to get through. You're following me? That's why it's so important. All the things that God does is in unity. If you were in a desert and you were absolutely dying of thirst and some people, somebody came along to you and they offered you two things. A plastic bottle like this with that amount of water and, uh, or a Ming vase worth a quarter of a million with a hole in it. What are you going to choose? You're going to choose the thing that is connected together without any holes in it, without any breakage in it. So let's just go through these and list them for you. Holding together is keeping together. Supporting, giving our strength and resources on behalf of one another. This amazing picture of an old Moses, top of a hill interceding for a battle that's going on between the Amalekites and the people of God. And as he interceded and held his hands up, the battle was being won. But if he got tired and his arms went down, what then happened was the battle would go in the wrong direction. And two people looking by, they saw that Moses, the old man, was getting very tired. They could have just criticized him. He's not what he once was. I can remember a time he could have held his hands up for ages. Look, he's, he's past his best. He's past his best now. They didn't criticize him. You know what they did? They found a big stone. They put it on the ground. They said, sit on this. We want to support you because we're better together. And Aaron and I, we will hold your hands up so that we win the battle together. Friends, I want to tell you today, we're better together. Loving the overall and motivation, working the practical expressions. So I finished. We're better together. You know, it's a great joy in able to come in. A worship bank, can you come in? We're ready for you to find your places. And thank you. You're just amazing, whoever's coming up. Um, one of the things about visiting a speaker, you know, if, if I'm in my own church somewhere, when in those days I was in a pastoral role, I'll bring something one week and bring the next bit the next week. When you're a visitor, you so much want to connect with what God wants to say there because I can't you know, fill in the next bit. I have no worries because these guys are going to do it better than I am in the future. But I want to read this over you as a fellowship. This is the same passage in Ephesians. Ephesians 4, apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers that I've said before. I'm going to pray over you and I can say apostolically because it's not a title. It's a, a place where, you know, I spent 25 years of my time being a leader of leaders as well as 25 years in church. I want to read this over your life. And would you all stand together? And I don't know whether you're comfortable in doing this. If you're not comfortable, that's absolutely... I'm not bringing nobody forward. Time is going. I'm not bringing anybody to the front. But where you are, if you've got someone near you, would you put your hand on their shoulder and just pray for them? Not out loud, just listen to what I'm saying. But in a minute, because this is a connectivity, alignment and unity. I'm going to read this out and then I'm going to pray a prayer to close with and I want you therefore to 
Say stuff out loud with me if you're able to do that. This is the message in Ephesians. He handed out gifts of apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastors, teachers to train Christ's followers in skilled servant work, working within Christ's body, the church, until we're all moving rhythmically and easily. What a picture with each other. Efficient and graceful in response to God's Son. Fully mature adults, fully developed within and without, fully alive in Christ. No prolonged infancies amongst us, please. We'll not tolerate babes in the woods, small children, or easy prey for predators. God wants us to grow up, to know the whole truth and tell it in love, like Christ in everything. We take our lead from Christ, who is the source of everything we do. He keeps us in step with each other. His very breath and blood flows through us, nourishing us so that we will grow up healthy in God, robust in love, and better together. Can you say this after me? Heavenly Father, Thank you, I have a personal relationship with you. Thank you, thank you, Father, that I also am part of a body in this place. Bless the one to the right and the left of me for whom I pray. Thank you for my connection with you, Lord. But as far as the body is concerned, we're better together. Lord, keep us together in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, the Lord bless you. What a joy to be with you. Thank you. 